Welcome everybody to a brand new episode of the James T Podcast. We spill the jams, spin the tea. I said it wrong again, and we're here today, of course, with our record club episode, and not just a normal record club episode, but the one hundredth record club episode of the James and T Podcast. Holy shit! And to celebrate such a momentous occasion, we're talking about an incredibly podcore band and an incredibly podcore release from that band. We're going to be talking about, for the first time formally, we're going to be talking about The Wonder Years and their incredibly esteemed release, The Greatest Generation. Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed. This is my Record Club pick, and it is our 100th Record Club. We're going to be doing a bit of a, we're going to look back a little bit on some of our Record Clubs uh, and, and some of the things that we've done very shortly when we celebrate our 100th main episode, which is only a couple of weeks away. But um, this, I thought, made sense to pick for this particular milestone, as it's a record that I know we all love, as not even just that, but also like it is, you know, it sits within a genre and a sound and a type of music that just feels so quintessentially us. Like this is a pop punk emo record through and through, but it has that sort of indie spirit to it that imbues it with so much, I guess, lyrical density uh, just hard on sleeve emotion and this the sort of detail that really rewards getting lost in it and like forming a strong emotional connection to it and the wonder years are just one of those bands right they're one of those bands that once you discover them if you are you know if you're on their wavelength as a listener they will just immediately imprint themselves on your heart and also another reason why i picked this is we have a new wonder years album coming out very shortly as well their first in four years the hum goes on forever which we're all very, very excited for. So I thought it makes sense to look back on a record that is going to turn 10 next year, actually. The Greatest Generation, which is, I think, generally regarded as their most momentous and celebrated release, though they certainly have others that would compete for that title. Uh, And it's my favorite Wonder Years album. No spoilers necessarily there because it's not that hard of a take, but it's a record I love. It's a record that I've loved ever since I first heard it. Uh, it's a record that I think specifically checked out because it was recommended to me on this podcast by Sersha actually back when she was on the show and getting glowing recommendations from the two of you as well so it's a record that yeah it feel I feel like my love and connection to this record is a direct product of this podcast which is another reason why I picked it for this milestone The Wonder Years are a Philadelphia-based pop-punk band uh, formed in 2005 featuring Dan Campbell, Matt Brash, Casey Cavalieri, Nick Steinborn, Josh Martin, Mike Kennedy, and Mikey Kelly. Uh, A big family of musicians, essentially, who make some of the most harmonious and familial sort of aspirational heartland rock adjacent emo music that you could possibly ever hear really they're one of those bands that no matter how horrible you're feeling they can find a direct hot wire to your heart and essentially punch you back to life with their music and the greatest generation which is I believe their fourth album actually really represented a moment of clarity for the band and their progression. Uh, It is a masterpiece. It is a record where basically it grabs you by the throat instantly from the first track and it never lets you go. And it masters, I think, the art of the 
ambitious sort of sprawling album within this particular lane i mean it's a genre that is i would say known for more its succinctness its immediacy perhaps even if you're being less charitable it's lack of depth uh but here is where the wonder years kind of officially challenged that and it's funny because it's not really that long of a record it's under 50 minutes but it feels so sprawling and it feels so intense it almost has the feeling of a great double album almost despite not really being that long the ideas that are explored here are so just sort of outward reaching it's not necessarily a record that genre bends too much but it is a record that feels like it pulls you along a really intense emotional journey that feels like it spreads outward into so many different places and then of course comes full circle with a closing track that essentially reprises a number of the choruses from earlier songs and makes for one of the most triumphant finales to not even any pop punk record, I would say any record ever. It's one of my favorite uh, conclusions to an album. And so The Greatest Generation, I think, is a shining example of the album form at its most ambitious and at its most exciting without spreading itself too thin either. It's a record that you can, I can, it's a record that I can easily put on and just easily listen through from start to finish without ever having my attention flag or waver. Uh, it's not necessarily a record that takes huge risks sonically, but it is a record that feels like it embodies the spirit and feeling and sound of the niche that it belongs to so well that it basically becomes possibly even the definitive text on it. It is one of a number of emo and emo adjacent records in the 2010s that I feel like kind of capture this particular late era emo revival I think kind of fourth wave emo where emo came back with a sense of ambition and taking from perhaps genres that it maybe hadn't taken from as much before like Heartland Rock for instance like more avant-garde stylings I think of the Wonder Years as situated alongside a band like the hotel year as well quite a lot and that's a band that we have talked about there are three albums we have discussed in our discography review of them way back i think two years ago we did that and that's a band that's always meant a lot to me for how hard-hitting and unfiltered the emotional rawness of their music is but also how polished and refined and i would say kind of sophisticated their arrangements are for you know what is essentially just a guitar bass and drums band and the wonder years i feel like fit to, into that same niche dan campbell has a similar sort of spirit and style to christian holden if he's if a little less i guess flowery and abstract than christian can be but dan absolutely has the same spirit and i think this record would be well paired with something like home like no place is there which i think came out around the same time if not within a year, year after a year after yeah so it's a record that's situated within a particular musical niche it's a record that does a, a, a particularly ambitious and exciting set of things with that niche and you know it's a record that we all love like um, Morgan, I think I'm, I, I think of you as the the biggest Wonder Years cheerleader of the three of us. Um, when did you encounter this record, and what does this band mean to you? So the, the first record I ever heard from this band was uh, "No Closer to Heaven," 
I uh, listened to that not long after its release in 2015, which was not long after I was getting into bands like the Menzingers for the first time. Basically, just a whole bunch of these Philadelphia punk emo revival acts all at once. And I would probably say that No Closer to Heaven is still my favorite of theirs. For me, it's it's not just difficult to think of a more definitive text on pop punk in, in any album ever. Uh, it's also difficult to think of uh, an album in general that is more definitive about being part of a very particular generation uh, and being at a very particular age, quite like the greatest generation does. Uh, like, you know, one of the most famous sets of, you know, verses, lines, sets of lines, Jesus Christ, I'm 26, all the people I've graduated with, all have kids, all have wives, all have people who care if they come home at night. Well, Jesus Christ, did I fuck up? That, that, that's been hitting real hard this week. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to be honest, that hit hard when I was 16. <laughs> it's, it's only gotten worse, which means the song has only gotten better. And it's, it, it's, it's kind of hard to think of a more definitive summation of what this band is about mm. yeah it is a record where i would say the predominant theme is as the title would imply kind of like coming to terms with the generation that you exist in and that generation's relationship to and or disconnect from previous generations the idea of expectation the idea of the people that have come before you sort of setting you up for a world and for a life that is ostensibly better and then feeling a sense of you know the complicated emotions that come with feeling as though that's not what you've been delivered and you know it is a I would say it's a it is just a psychological phenomenon that is just true of human beings like I think every generation is going to feel that way to some extent that essentially what they've been handed is less than what they were promised whether that promise was explicit or assumed and or what they've been handed is just not what they expected nor what they wanted or simply that like they were set up for an expectation that things would fall into place when you come up for a certain age and they just don't and that's what the album's about and it's a tried and true theme to a lot of heartland rock and punk sort of pop punk and modern sort of emo music made by these sort of, I think Philadelphia is a great place situated because I think this is true of a lot of the Menzingers music as well. This theme of kind of reaching a certain age, like adulthood essentially and feeling old uh, and, and recognizing the kind of absurdity of that because fundamentally on an objective level, you are not old, you're young in terms of the human lifespan, but you feel as though you've reached a certain point where you've, kind of encounter the jadedness that you would expect to have set in when you're like 40 and 50, when you're the age of your appearance, essentially, you've encountered that jadedness a lot earlier than you expected to in your life. And it kind of fucks you up in a lot of ways. And some would say that it is, you know, it's a, it's a privileged problem to have essentially like, you know, oh, so what, you know, where wasn't you, what you expected it to be, you know, tough shit, you know, there's people who are fucking, sitting living in war-torn countries and whatever so you know it is 
definitely a, a phenomenon and a problem that is a product of perspective and a product of like, you know, growing up and living in a relatively middle-class Western environment, but it's real all the same. And it's a common underlying thread to a lot of music like this. And what I appreciate about one of the things I appreciate about the greatest generation, one of the things I think that makes it so emotionally hard hitting is how it kind of confronts this front on essentially, and, and gives you a selection of songs that are all about this, kind of moment of realization that is not a moment at all, but an extended period of years in your early adulthood where you realize that things aren't going to fall into place the way you assumed that they would. And spending so many years as a child, as a teenager, riding on that assumption makes it all the more devastating when you realize that you're fundamentally powerless in a certain sense. And a lot of that, I think, is, is amplified um, as a listener if you sort of come from an environment where there isn't a lot of social climbing or uh, economic climbing or that sort of level of hope as well. It's, I guess, fundamentally a lot of fundamentally a lot of it is sort of working class music. There's a bit of sort of blue collar aspect to it all, but it's like a blue collar sort of aesthetic that is wrapped in these songs that are very much about more middle-class problems like ennui and alienation and loneliness and all that sort of thing so it kind of fuses these different experiences of I guess isolation and loneliness and confusion in life that we all that most of us experience and makes it all the more universal by crossing a lot of different barriers of how that might be experienced and just kind of channeling it all into this music that is, again, if you think about the staple aspects of the genre sonically and themic, it's full of double tracked or choral vocals. It's loud. It's, it's shouted. It has this great sense of melody and intensity to it. There is uh, you know, a scene which sometimes it feels soaked in alcohol, just to a certain extent where it's like these are the kinds of songs that you could holler along to when you're drunk you know in a communal environment or on your own and yeah so to me like this all of this stuff that I've said this is all like subtext to a lot of pop punk and heartland rock records I think but here it's text like this is almost a meta record in a certain sense because it's a record about the mindset that often takes to make a record like this and being kind of situated in a particular state of your life and unable and not knowing what to do essentially and um yeah and that that reflects it in, in songs like passing through a screen door and we could die like this i think i want to say i think that the first i'll say six songs on this record is like a run of just perfect mute and i don't mean like great obviously the whole record's great but i mean perfect the first six songs on this i would record. extend that to seven seven yeah teenage yeah. yeah teenage parents is absolutely fantastic as well uh yes absolutely not gonna uh push back against that but whatever however you want to wherever you want to situate the cutoff the first half of this record is like it, to me it's like the peak of the form in a certain sense like the peak of what all of these kinds of bands and all these kinds of 
people working in this style try to achieve. Every single one of those songs has a chorus that knocks you flat on your ass, that will fucking keep you up at night, thinking about it, remembering it, that you that will fucking comfort you in your lowest of moments. Like every single one of those songs, like within those first six or seven songs, I feel like is a roadmap to basically all the emotions I've experienced in the last few years of my 20s. And the rest of the record is fantastic too. Like the rest of the record is great. And the rest of the record elaborates on a lot of those themes and even goes down some more avenues of musical exploration that are a little different from the first half. And it, of course, it all comes back around beautifully uh, with the last couple of songs too. I think you mentioned that like the, a lot of this album's subject material and sort of ethos comes from yeah a sense of perspective that is very distinctly kind of like American but I also think that the way this album is written is like really distinctly blue collar kind of stuff like everything here feels very working class feels very like every man and kind of like achieves universality through the fact that it's you know made for people like us and you know obviously we do speak from a certain distance that a, a certain privileges provide but it's also a sort of a, a sense of like I guess economic universality in this that's often mentioned through like a lot of the references that are made lyrically on here throughout the entire album reference a lot of um problems that were like you know the greatest generation's problems like there are uh points at which uh the bombing from the enola gay is referenced like the guy who was in the plane who dropped the bomb on nagasaki comes back home and feels completely like normal in one of the particular songs uh sh shout out to some serious alive for the glory of love shit with that particular lyric yeah, and there's um, a lyric in uh, passing through a screen door as well where he's like, I'm terrified like a kid in the 60s staring at the sky waiting for the bomb to fall. And the same sort there's of thing, also lyrics that are like, right, uh, like, I feel like I'm on the verge of collapse, like the, you know, like the, the economic collapse in, you know, the, the Great Depression. And there's like constant references to these things and it's like yeah they're all part of the thematic whole but what connects all of these references is that all of these people are sort of cogs in a machine they're sort of sedentary and set into place and they're trying to right, reckon with what they are and where they are and just kind of like how they fit into place or don't fit into place which is what makes it feel so universal and honest to god like the the, the best thing about this record is really like I think Riley sort of alluded to it with the sort of talking about that initial run of like seven songs, but like one of the best things about this album is that it is just fucking relentless with its momentum. Like it, it like th there is one song on here that decides to like peel back for like a second for like, it's like the shortest thing here. And it's the only thing that doesn't get you like, dance your ass off basically like there's there's so many like moments in this like like there's just so many great choruses and so many great hooks i've had i wanna die in the suburbs stuck in my head all week just because that shit is so fucking good and you just get to like these points on the record where i mean it starts hitting you like menzinger's lyrics do uh and 
like the the notion of wanting a disaster in your life to occur just because that's the only thing that will upend it like that like you feel like you're so stuck and that you can't do anything that the only thing that will help you is a clean slate that's brought on by something horrible happening and god in heaven that is something i very much relate to as of late that this, this album it, it, it really decided to take on a, a whole new meaning in a lot of these songs and especially uh, a song on here that I, I really want to shout out, uh, which is Teenage Parents. And, and from the title alone, it's sort of, you have the sort of insinuation of like a family that's probably getting started too early. You sort of see the other side of the perspective of that really famous lyric that Morgan mentioned, where, you know, all of your friends and contemporaries that are your age or married and having kids and you feel like a fuck up and this feels like a story from the perspective of one of of, of a person in the family of one of those people and there's just a sense of like even from like the incredible chorus hook the fucking all we had was was goodwill and shit like that and like and th this feels like a pretty autobiographical song because it's one of the only other times in this album where the time period referred to it is a time period in which the bandmates were alive during and not like you know the 60s the 40s the 20s shit like that so I feel like this might have been something that it hits a little bit closer home to them can't verify that but uh certainly as somebody who in the early stages of my life was very much in the same kind of economic position as the people in this song a lot of these lyrics they 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 really cut and a song like this which i i don't know a lot of i think what like my like morgan my favorite wonder years album is no closer to heaven and i think that that's an album that's kind of written with the feeling of that sort of fourth wave emo lyricism in mind. It feels like a fusion of the hotelier and the menzingers and like a, a bit of a maturation, whereas this feels a little bit more like conceptual, but also in keeping with the sound that already existed. And then they kind of morph that. And I just kind of gravitate towards that writing a little bit more. But there are moments here where like, I feel like, when I initially listened to this, and I've always liked this record, but when I initially listened to this, I feel like a lot of it gets a little bit lost in the blur of that momentum that this album has that's just relentless. So when I got to stop this week and actually pay attention to a little bit more of the, the songs and stuff, I, I, I got a really good handle of the emotional tone of this album in, in many different respects. And I, I, I felt that shit. This is a, a week where we have no shortage of good records to talk about, uh, but this may have been the most like gratifying listen of, of all of them, like for me personally. Mm. To me, like No Closer to Heaven is like an even, is it even more dark? It's a darker record than this one, I think. That's a record that's really preoccupied. With, it's a record that's really preoccupied with death and like the it kind of builds on this record in a certain sense because it has a lot of the same feelings of listlessness, but it's, they're also coupled with like the point at which you begin to encounter death more frequently, like as you grow up and, and the way that that sort of colors and adds a sense of 
you know, extra sort of futility and bleakness to it all. Um, this is, yeah, there, the, the thing about this style of music and the thing about the writing here is that it's very, it would be very easy to be overwrought about it. And, and I think, you know, maybe some people who don't enjoy this kind of music could lay, could kind of use that word to describe some of it. It certainly is. Yeah, they'd be wrong. Um, so maybe you're listening to the wrong albums, guys. But while I don't think overwrought is the right word because it has too much of a negative connotation, there is a sense of melodrama that's inherent in this music. Oh, sure. And that I think is one of the ultimate appeals of it because it's, it's, we, it's emo. It's yeah. an emo record. Yeah. 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 Honestly, it's about? like emo by way of, you know, honestly, the most comparable album to this not obviously not in sound but just lyricism and the way it approaches storytelling and its central concept is the killer's pressure machine i feel like the sort of selective character by character storytelling the kind of nebraska springsteen heartland rock vibe of the storytelling but also the sort of trying to mine hope out of what are hopeless situations just because i feel like there's never a moment where this album kind of slips up and becomes like you know wallows in the potential despair that it could have like it's always triumphant the the, the record that i thought of a lot when listening to it uh, in preparation for this was uh, brave faces everyone yes yes Love songs, as well which which is a again sort of like the halfway point between the hotelier and the benzingers but also in a different way from this. And that's a record that kind of does have a tendency to wallow in uh, that sort of the particular brand of misery, but again, in a way that feels more cathartic than despondent, which is a similar emotion to what so much of this record creates. The thing that's so satisfying about listening to this record is that like, as you listen to it, you just get bombarded with one just amazing chorus refrain or one like stunning lyric or just one like absolute gut punching moment after another. And then you're just kind of like whirlwinded back through them at the very end in a way that is like kind of indulgent, but like in a way that is totally earned and just completely just it feels like the whole record is kind of just convalescing and just collapsing in on itself because of the intensity of the emotions in these songs and it's a finale and like a kind of climax that you know you don't often get in records is that sense of like just complete convergence at the finale what uh i guess a victory lap essentially of the album itself and I just have such an admiration for that and such a, a sense of satisfaction whenever I listen to that. Um, I, I think few, there are lots of great albums with that end with fantastically strong kind of closing statements, but there are very few records that do it like this one. There are very few records that you're realizing how good they are in real time. And then it's just kind of reminding you again in the final moments, but then situating all of those reinterpolations within a new context, taking all of these lyrics and melodies from earlier songs and giving them a new perspective, essentially like connecting the dots together for you. And it's, it's utterly amazing. This to me is like the, 
the platonic ideal of, of the kind of record that this is modeling itself on the kind of record that this is trying to be essentially uh, whether or not you think it, it reaches the heights or consistency of something like home no, no places there or brave faces everyone or maybe even like a joyce manor record like never hung over again regardless like it's it's all they're all in the same sort of spirit and this kind of feels like the the granddaddy of all of them in a certain sense um certainly coming before a lot of those ones that i mentioned but also just kind of birthing and and i can only imagine inspiring so much of what was to come i just yeah this record has lifted my heart up and just stomped on it and then lifted it up again so many times that i can barely even contain myself while listening to it now and you you know what it's no closer to heaven is right up there too sister cities i think we all agree is a purely underrated album too this band have not missed the mark they have like the menzingers they have been able to hone in and kind of master a particular form of expression about a particular set of feelings that relate to growing up. And they've been able to capture and distill that and also kind of progress it as with each record that they make as well. Like, like with we talked about in our Menzinger discography video, every Menzinger's record feels like it's a reflection of the stage of life that the members of the band are at. And as they get older, the tones of the records change and, you know, the kind of like uh, just drunken, rebellious optimism of their early records is kind of wizened and has maybe a certain level of sadness to it in the later records as they get older and older and older. And The Greatest Generation is an album that I feel like has that feeling of triumph and fatalism and all of the conflicting and confusing and overlapping emotions that you experience in your mid-20s and that's why I think it'll be probably one of the defining albums of the stage of my life because there are very few other records that I feel like capture how i feel on a basically daily basis like this one does after the party which is i said in the menzingers video is my favorite menzingers album is another one i think uh goodness by the hotel is of course another one as well although it's slightly more abstract in the way it does that but yeah (laughs) we yeah (laughs) it's i don't know how this record will age to me like whether or not i'll get the same exactly the same sort of feelings out of it when I'm 30 or 35. I can only imagine I probably will, but this is the kind of record that you need to hear when you're at this particular age, you need to encounter because that's the time of your life. I think at which you're best equipped to understand it, but also it can take you back as well. Like it's a record about being in your mid twenties and it takes me back to being 18. It's a record about being in your mid twenties. That makes me feel 30. It's all of these things, you know, time is just collapses in on itself when you're in your twenties and nothing, there's no meaningful distinction anymore between the years. And of course that I'm sure only gets more and more compounded when you get into your thirties and forties or whatever, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a fucking gut punch shock to the system when you hit your 20s and 
we are suckers for music that gets that, that puts that onto a IMAX size screen and then kicks through the screen into your face and beats and you baby to all. death. <laughs> yeah. In a lot of ways, I, I think that this album, it, it's only because this band doesn't have the same pull audience and cultural weight that the comparison I'm going to make doesn't exactly hold the same water just because, you know, obviously there's different levels of popularity that these bands can achieve. And so the, the voices it can speak to are sort of limited, but like I view the greatest generation as the American idiot of the 2010s, the, the pomposity, the, the grandiosity, and the, the relentless pace, the sense of melodrama and capturing a unique singular point in time where, you know, everyone feels this sense of societal and political kind of ennui and it mines like every tiny bit of emotion out of that. And it's like, like when I was listening to this in the car, Rhiannon was like really responding to this and was just like, this is some shit that I would have listened to when I was like 14. And I'm just like, that's that that's kind of the magic of bands that are really good at this is that they can appeal to you when these bands are like talking about being 26 and then when you're 26 you're like damn this hits but when you are listening to pop punk and shit for the first time you hear shit like this and it's just like the only thing that's keeping the fact that like green day is really popular and that the wonder years isn't as popular is just the fact that more people haven't heard the wonder years so if this is a band you've been sleeping on goddamn, please stop wake up for, for the love of god I, I i am both incredibly grateful and super annoyed at myself that i didn't think of the american idiot comparison first because that is perfect that you've just given me the title of this video as well which is the american idiot of the 2010s which is exactly what this album is that has that american idiot for the post-recession era (laughs) well yeah and i think that green day were perfectly situated to be that big well first of all because i think they just had slightly more of a commercial edge in the way they wrote songs in that era but also like they and they were also you know massive 10 years prior yeah and it was very much a case of like right time right place right time as well because that in 2004 when american idiot came out like the the culture was essentially primed for what that record was and it kind of just they paved the way for bands like the wonder years to exist in the first place yeah exactly and yeah this is totally capturing i think the same set of feelings that i mean down to the references to war and like the kind of political bent that the album has as well and the notion of kind of like what is generationally transmitted absolutely spot on comparison and i think that it speaks that's a a good way of selling it as well is i think that if a record like american idiot connects to you then the wonder years are essentially the update of that for the millennial for i guess the younger millennial age because i guess american idiots kind of it's too recent to be a gen x album but it is also like a an older millennial record anyway i'm i digress <laughs> there's something about and maybe it's just because this kind of stuff speaks to me more than older stuff and maybe that completely undoes my point here but i feel like as music has progressed there's like the idea of like the mono genre nowadays of how music distinction is kind of less and less important and how pop and the idea of popular music is sort of so 
just this big bundled nexus of different sounds that it just the way music is going forward it doesn't really feel like we're in an era where the previous kind of tags and signifiers apply in the same way I sort of feel like the ability to channel and make you know a record like this for the 2010s inherently does try to like put a sort of timelessness that maybe something like American Idiot a record I love in fact, I would only say that I love The Greatest Generation a little bit more than that album. But that album feels very confined by where it is in what, like, you know, where it's speaking to. It's very confined to the Bush era. Whereas The Greatest Generation necessarily, it de definitely does speak to people our age and people who were our age when it came out because I mean this is almost a decade old now and we're sitting here talking about how this shit hits and you know probably not exactly the same I mean like you know the world's a very different place than it was than was when this record dropped so I sort of feel like as this sort of wave of emo and pop punk has matured it has found its sort of ground of being able to appeal to a wider audience with the more time that passes. Mm. I would just say in terms of the American Idiot comparison, that's the first album I ever loved in full. Uh, I still have a lot of love for it today. And I think this record like shoves it into the dirt and then sits on it. Like just a, it's just a fuck, like absolutely bodies that motherfucker. It's something that we haven't really talked heaps about uh, that really sets it ahead of something like American Idiot, if you ask me, is that it really cannot be understated how musically accomplished this record is. Like yeah. Jesus, Harold Christmas, the drums alone on this Woo! thing. Could, I, is this dude the Energizer Bunny? Is he powering the entire <laughs> nation? My favorite part of this record is the climax of Bastards, Vultures, and Wolves, where it's just like the guy's just going, I came here looking for a fight, over and over and over again, which I sing to my, I'm not even exaggerating for the sake of, you know, making my point here. I literally sing that to myself every week at some point. Uh, you know, it just gets in my head and I just completely get stuck in it. And the by point being, the intensity of the band at that point in the song, the way they just continue to ramp it up with every few iterations of that lyric to the point where the last fucking few seconds of the song is just a fucking swirling vortex of guitar noise and drums and that rep repetitive refrain over and over and over again. Like that shit is godly. The fucking start of We Could Die Like This where they do fucking the painkiller Judas Priest guitar line at the start of it. Ah! <laughs> Beat code. Who said you're allowed to do this? But yeah, they're like three guitars. They're all pretty much always playing something different. It's just like melodies on top of chords, on top of more melodies. It's just layered into this fucking fat sandwich and the base is the bread <laughs> hey guys like, hey bro i heard uh, you like melodies so i got you some melodies to put on your melodies <laughs> it's, yeah it's such an old meme now <laughs> oh my god that's, that's like 2010 
<laughs> that meme is older than this album. <laughs> well then, should we well, let's wrap this up uh, with our favorite tracks and ratings for the Greatest Generation by the Wonder Years? Jake, why don't you go first? Okay, I just want to say that. I'm certainly going to give this the lowest rating of the three of us, and I do feel a need to slightly justify myself here. And I just want to say it's just because, A, I listen to No Closer to Heaven first, and I feel like that inherently sort of biases me towards that record and the approach to this band's sound. And they do a thing on this album where sometimes they pitch down the backing vocals and I do not care for the way that sounds at all. It doesn't ruin any of the songs, but whenever it does happen, I'm just kind of like, don't, don't feel like that age particularly well. And the momentum of the album is kind of halted there at the end. But thus my uh, three favorite tracks, I mean, fucking obligatory. I just want to sell out my funeral mention here just because of course it is. I mean, this is like one of the best pop punk songs of all time. Uh, easily one of the best songs this band ever made. I don't know if I'd necessarily say it's my favorite, but it's certainly close. Um, I'd also say Teenage Parents and oh yeah, fuck it. Passing Through a Screen Door is a perfect mm -hmm. song. Uh, my, my least favorite song on here, yeah, this is probably an easy target, but like it's definitely Madeline. And it's just because it's like, I feel like the album needs a song like Madeline at that point. It just doesn't grab me the rest of the way this record does. And the hook is repeated like, like 14 times and it's easily the weakest hook on the record. So gonna say Madeline, uh, the album gets a, a very enthusiastic 8.5 out of 10 for me. Okay, Morgan three favorites uh the devil in my bloodstream pretty firm favorite on here as uh, shit obliterates me uh i'll also shout out dismantling summer and i've listened to passing through the screen door so many times in my life that it feel it would feel wrong to not mention it so yeah probably that uh no least favorite tan um, passing through a screen door is my favorite song by this band. I think uh, to me, it's like it's like just one of the greatest pop punk emo songs of all time. Like it is just eternal. There's no way I can listen to the song without having to fight back some degree of tears, no matter how many times I listen to it. It's just so beautifully constructed, and the the metaphor of the screen door is used in a way that like it speaks to a kind of desperation and a kind of certainty and fatalism that your life is meant to end and end horribly <laughs> essentially that all the things you have are only finite and destined to fall apart and it gets a mindset you know a uniquely toxic and ugly mindset and it makes it again imax size so it's a perfect it's not only is it a perfect song it's probably one of my favorite songs ever uh, my other two picks will be the bastards, the vultures, etc. Just for I came here looking for a fight, and also where you would be without me alone. But everything else is great in that song too. 
And my third favorite is going to be uh, We Could Die Like This. Again, I think that song rivals passing through a screen door. Like that, that, that back-to-back, those two songs back-to-back, it's like the hardest shot of mid-20s on Wii that you could possibly get from any record. Uh, so yeah, those are my three favorites. Uh, my least favorite, um, yeah, it's probably Madeline as well, although I, I will say that I find that song charming and I have it has grown on me a little bit. I do think that the record is some, like like the perfection of the first half does make it a little bit, uh, some parts of the second half a little bit easier, to, a little bit more difficult to kind of like gel together. And I do think that there are songs like Madeline and American Religion are just kind of a little bit less finessed and um, perfect, I suppose, than the rest of the record. Uh, but I'm going to give it a very effusive and wholehearted 9.5, which gives us an average of 9.3 for The Wonder Years, The Greatest Ooh. Generation. Let us know at home what this record means to you. Uh, is it your favorite Wonder Years record? Is it What is your favorite Wonder Years record? If it's not this one, tell us if what your favorite songs are, what you, your experiences with this record. And um, we'd love to hear from you in the comments below. It's a very special album. What do you think about our big kind of Green Day comparison or the other reference points that we've drawn upon? Uh, let us know what these bands and what this music means to you. Uh, if you enjoyed the episode, then please consider giving it a like and subscribing, of course, if you haven't already. Uh, if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, you can head on over to the YouTube link in the description to do just that. If you want to support us above and beyond, you have the option of hitting the join button and for just $1 a month supporting us directly, becoming one of our essentially jams and tea family, uh, getting emojis of our faces to use in the comments, plus getting to recommend us music and we will listen to it essentially as well. Uh, that is our promise. And also you get your name featured in the title crawl of every video on this channel. Make sure you check out our earlier video this week on the new records from Black Midi and Lizzo. And of course, we're going to be starting a brand new retrospective on the national uh, in just a couple of days time. So look out for that. As always though, folks, rock over London, rock on Chicago, goodwill, uncommonly good.